I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. My guest today is joining me from across the pond in England through the wonders of technology. Gary Jones is an award-winning product entrepreneur with 30 years of experience in content management and music. Gary has worked on projects for companies including Sony, Intel, Yahoo, and News International. He is the CEO and co-founder of MetaMusic, a British health tech startup that uses scientific research to unlock music's transformative medical benefits. Welcome to Enhance Life with Music, Gary. Thank you, Mindy. It's very kind of you to have me. Gary, as you know, I read a recent article about MetaMusic and its new device that reduces pain and anxiety in patients using a digital drip to administer calming music. I found this absolutely brilliant. I immediately contacted you, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show today to tell us about this exciting new product and the technology behind it. Let's start by having you explain what the MetaBeat product is. Give us your elevator pitch, and then we'll dive into some more details on how it works and what the results of the clinical trials have been and so forth. So tell us your overview of what the MetaBeat product is. Okay, so MediBeat is a player and uh, heart rate monitor that connects to the MediMusic service. And MediMusic uses digital fingerprinting, artificial intelligence and machine learning to dispense music as medicine for the benefit of anxiety, stress and pain relief. And at the same time, we provide an evidence-based screen that shows metrics and multiple cost savings where applicable for healthcare services. And the screen, is that saving all of these results or do healthcare workers have to be right there in the moment observing what's happening? No, it it very much saves them. So the idea is that over a period of time, as the service gets more and more used, the artificial intelligence machine learning part of the service refines it and it actually displays the refinement as well. So it's very much a a KPI indicator. They'll be able to create reports off the back of it. And and in those instances where maybe they're entering the cost of an analgesic, they'll be able to show the saving as well. Okay. And when you say KPI, what does that stand for? Uh, Key performance indicator. So it's just just metrics, really, just um, just statistics that that show the benefit of the service, not only not only to the healthcare worker, obviously, but also to the the sort of quality of life benefit to the end user as well. And you found that the use of music in treating anxiety and pain in this way can reduce the use of drugs in treating anxiety and pain in patients by up to 25%. Yeah, so there, there are a number of studies. There are 25,000 papers, as I'm sure you know, on PubMed that, that look at the benefits of music to health, stretching back 40 years. And, I mean, every, all the great things of our time, from Confucius through to Plato and, and Tolstoy and uh, Martin Luther King and so on and so forth all extolled the, the, the benefits of music to health. And we all self-medicate with music. And these studies on PubMed show quite clearly that there is quite a potentially large saving to be made from the use of music with anxiety drugs and in reducing pain medication costs as well. And I'm just going to clarify for listeners and for myself, the MediBeat product, you said it's a device and a heart rate monitor. So it's a streaming yeah. device. Is it also it's, an yeah. app or... Is this an app you can put on any device or is it just a very specific device? So we launched, we launched uh, end of Q3, Q4 this year. We're in closed trials at the moment. And the MediBeat device, which we're working on at the moment, is to specifically connect direct to our service. So it's a streaming device that has a, 
a heart rate monitor and a heart rate variability monitor in it as well. The HRV monitor is important because that's a better indicator of stress. So that's the, the sort of time lapse between each each uh, heartbeat, as it were. Uh, and the reason we've done that is primarily because we all live in an uber-connected world, over-connected world. And the last thing you want when you're trying to relax and you've got an app on your smartphone is to see uh, a, uh, an alert come in from point. Facebook or WhatsApp or what have you. So <laughs> it, it's it, it's kind of called calm. There's a, there's a movement in the U.S. amongst manufacturers called calm tech, and this is effectively what it is. You create the device specifically for that use. But we will provide a smartphone app as well. Really good point there. Well, the music that's chosen is chosen to reduce heart rate and stress hormones like cortisol and promote hormones that are known for relaxation like dopamine and oxytocin exactly okay so the music is played through earphones the metabeat streaming device also is is part of that streaming process the heart rate monitor is worn on the wrist and artificial intelligence is used to select the tracks that are played and then responds according to what the heart rate and heart rate change is measured is that right Exactly. So, so what happens is if you listen to music, the, the heart rate is being recorded, and we know, and, and obviously over a period of time, for the want of a better expression, you know, the energy or the perceived, yeah, the perceived energy in the track reduces over the playlist over a period of time, and, and the maximum sort of playlist length is, has been proven in research to be about twenty five minutes, regardless of the best benefit for pain and anxiety reduction. And so, that, in that twenty five minute period, we know how someone's heart rate should respond, and if it doesn't respond as predicted then the artificial intelligence and machine learning will dynamically swap the, the following tracks out to, bridge, to bring the heart rate down like either faster or slower. And then that's then recorded by the machine learning AI process for future reference and overall refinement of the service. So as, as more and more users come on and, and possibly the same track, it's, we think the track should respond a certain way. And it, it, historically, the usage shows that it doesn't, then it's less likely to get used. Um, because the machine learning won't suggest it. It's like a big, it's like a very big complicated uh, trial, I suppose. Sure. The the wrist heart rate monitor obviously is tracking the heart rate. How do you track some yeah. of those other stress hormones and relaxation hormones like cortisol, dopamine, and oxytocin? The production of cortisol is, is, is uh, dynamically linked with heart rate. So the higher oh. the heart rate, the higher the cortisol production in, in essence. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, if you ask any physiologist, they'll, they'll tell you that if cortisol reduces, then you know it's more it, it promotes oxytocin and immunoglobin dopamine. And again, there are lots of studies out there that show music increases dopamine. Cambridge University did one a couple of years ago that showed it could be up to nine percent, which is quite significant. So all of that information can sort of be extrapolated from just that heart rate. Yeah, and, and moving forward, I mean, we're moving into a world where obviously wearables are changing and, and improving on a day-by-day basis. And we're aware of a couple that are in production at the moment that will measure cortisol using a wearable. And that really is kind of the holy grail, because once you know you're actually reducing cortisol in real time, then you're definitely on to a winner. But at the moment, to a large extent, you know, it, it's relying on science, which is, you know, which is what it should be, evidence-based science. But actually to prove it in real time would be fantastic. Tell us about some of the different applications and contexts that MetaBeat can be used for in terms of post-op, pre-op, dentistry. Tell us about some of those different contexts. So the, the MediBeat device is, is quite important to our to our overall strategy, primarily because when you think about the demographics of smartphone users and the demographic of Spotify users, which is kind of 
who we're working with at the moment, they fall off quite dramatically as you get towards the sort of 65 years plus for dementia and, and perioperative as well, primarily because a lot of the people that go into hospital, the bulk of the uh, operations in perioperative are 65 plus for hips and knees and things like that. Sure. So to be able to provide a device to a hospital that may possibly be wall mounted along with other things uh, you know with along with a bunch of other devices and connected to a patient management system where it's all automatically updated it, it would be brilliant i mean that's ideally that's what we're aiming for so it's important in that sense but in terms of use cases it's dementia dental anxiety even motivational i mean we can turn it around and go the other way we can do motivational music as well so it actually goes the other way so it's practically every morbidity you could think of and i'll give you an example i was chatting with a surgeon specialist the other day who runs a proton beam cancer proton beam service in london a hospital in london and that beam relies on the um, patient sort of relaxing and sitting still the arm has to be ac- accurate but if they're breathing heavily then the arm's moving about all over the place and that's wear and tear and it takes longer. But if you can slow down the breathing with music, which is what music proves to do, it clears your airways and slows your breathing down, then the whole process is quicker and the wear and tear is less. So there are lots and lots of use cases for it. Our primary our primary ones at the moment are dementia, perioperative and dental anxiety. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I've actually had another guest on this show who was talking about a subject completely unrelated to dental anxiety. And for her coda at the end, she brought up how she had just recently had dental surgery and she has severe dental anxiety and her... Mm sort of her solution for managing and coping with a surgery that she had to have was she found the most calming song ever online and and there's like a six hour track of it that you can download oh, wow. and so she listened yeah. to it i can't remember the name of it offhand but that's interesting that you mentioned dentistry and when you were talking it's, about oh go ahead i was gonna say it's a huge it's a huge area 36 percent of the uk population suffer from dental anxiety which yeah, is, is wow. quite large yeah well and when you mentioned motivation and the use of this application and motivation i'm thinking physical therapy and rehab i mean boy those people need motivation because how frustrating oftentimes that process is because you're trying to do things that you know you want your body to do you used to be able to do it and you can't quite get those limbs to do what you're telling them to do and so i can imagine that the music and this medb product would really be helpful in that situation and then also in situations with chronic pain too yeah well without the chronic pain we're doing a study with lancashire nhs trust in the uk looking at reducing opiate usage or at least delaying opiate usage as a result of chronic you know using music to, to treat chronic pain and with that, we've obviously built into the app a pain scale. So at the beginning, someone can say how much pain they're in at the end. Mm. They can then say what pain they think they're in. There's also a Q&A within the app that says, you know, what is, what's your goal for the day? So the goal might be to do three hours gardening, which they couldn't do before, have they achieved that, and so on and so forth. And that that's very much, you know, what, what we're looking to do is broaden. It's not just about music. Collecting the data, refining it is dependent upon using these pain scales and using all sorts of scales, you know, the, the dental anxiety scale, for example, was another one and we're looking to work with music therapists at the moment i've just opened a consultative process with music therapists in the uk and extending it to the us to see what other features and functionality music therapists would like within the app to enable them to use it and and sort of deliver a broader post-clinical session data if you like and, and benefit 
Well, in all of these applications and contexts that you're talking about with using MetaB spill over into quality of life issues too. I mean, it's not just about reducing pain and anxiety, but boy, if somebody can get back to a, a hobby that they love with gardening, you know, just, just that distraction and that joy and that pleasure they get from that is going to really significantly affect their perception of pain. You had mentioned opiates a, a moment ago, and that to me is another huge benefit of anything that's non-pharmacological. I mean, there's no side effects and risks. There's no exactly. contraindications. It's non-addictive. And I talk in the show a lot about the holistic power of music, but I'm also a huge fan of holistic medicine and health and well-being. And anytime you can reduce your dependence on drugs that have those side effects and risks. Boy, huge, huge plus and win for everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and music is, I mean, a lot of people see it as art, but it's actually a combination of multiple sciences, the whole consumption process as well. So it's maths and physics without which it wouldn't exist. And then we look at psychology and sociology that dictates the music we consume and, and, and kind of what we like and, and you know, our life, lifetime involvement or engagement with music. And then you've got its effect, which is determined by physiology and neurology. So it's actually, a, using music is actually a very complex process. And the brain, as I'm sure you know, responds, more parts of the brain respond to music than any other stimulus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we're using it, we're using it in anxiety with frontline workers at the moment. Again, at, at Lancashire NHS Hospital, we're dealing with COVID. We're put, running a trial at the moment that looks at reducing anxiety anxiety so they're, they, they're in the front line dealing with COVID they take a half hour break they come out they pick up their smartphone and they listen to a playlist that, that we built for them specifically or that's been built for them specifically on the fly and you know that those results will hopefully be out in about six to eight weeks time. Yeah that's fantastic that it's working so well with patients in those initial trials that the healthcare workers are able to start utilizing that too and hopefully you'll yep. have some results soon because yeah we're seeing that everywhere across the world with this pandemic that the stress levels of healthcare workers are just skyrocketing. Uh, through the roof, through yeah. the roof, yeah. Um, and we're seeing heart rate reductions of around sort of 22 to 25%, well, 25% this week. So they are statistically significant. Uh, and at that level, we know that, you know, what we're doing is working. We will release the data soon, but um, as soon as we've got the analysis done by the universities. And that 22% reduction in heart rate, is that in the healthcare workers? Is that in patients who are using this in clinical trials? It's- yeah, it's a mix. So we've seen we've seen it across uh, across a mix of, of the service, all the trials that we're running. So, and one one in particular is sun, an interesting one is sundowning and dementia. So, mm-hmm. as I'm, you know, sundowning and dementia is, is a very hard to manage from a traditional nursing you know intervention. Traditional nursing intervention with sundowning are very yeah, hard. Yeah, and just explain dependent. real quick to listeners what that is for people who might not be familiar with sundowning. Sundowning generally presents itself as an, a moment of anxiety or a prolonged moment of anxiety towards the end of the day with a dementia patient. That's hence the, the word sundown. And it's quite traumatic for the for the patient or dementia sufferer or the person with dementia and traumatic for the staff as well because it's hard to manage. And that can mean at times when they're going through what they call personal hygiene so getting ready for bed or at supper time or tea time or anything like that it's a complicated process to manage when you've got three or four patients uh, as i recently witnessed in a care home uh, experiencing anxiety as a result of sundowning but what we've shown is that actually we get 100 percent success rate with sundowning at the moment so we're very pleased with that and when you say 100% success, is that measured by the heart rate reduction by a certain percentage? And 
Yeah, well, it's and and visually. So the, this is very much you know, the calming of the anxiety. So it's obviously a visual recording as well by the nursing staff as much as the electronic recording of heart rate. So we're seeing we're getting reports back saying people are relaxing. The least has been about an hour, but it, gen- it can be two, three, four hours all right through when they, they fall asleep. Basically, they get in terms of how long asleep. the effect lasts. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. So when you said the the nurse's feedback, the device is taking feedback through the wrist monitor, the heart rate monitor, and then is it also taking inputs from healthcare workers in terms of what they're yeah. observing? Yeah, we're taking observation. We're, we're collecting observational data as well. Okay, and I imagine that's on several different points in terms of the emotional distress out. level that they're observing, exactly. the cooperation. Yeah. Okay. And it's all been set out by the, our sort of lead clinician that's, or our lead specialist from Hull University that's actually um, determined what the questions are and what the responses can be. This is a quick break to tell you about the digital sheet music site I've used for probably a decade. Sheet Music Direct is powered by music publisher Hal Leonard. They have more than a million sheet music arrangements that you can view and listen to right from your device for convenient online shopping and immediate downloads of educational, classical, and pop scores representing any genre and holiday. Prices start at 99 cents. You can both print your purchases instantly and access them on any device, which really comes in handy for our family when we're out of state visiting grandma and grandpa and they want to hear my kids play the piano. Sheet Music Direct has saved me countless hours of driving to music stores and sifting through bins of sheet music and books to find the right song for myself or a student and hoping the perfect song isn't out of stock. Access the latest hits and yesterday's classics at sheetmusicdirect.com. This is Bob Bender, host of the Business Side of Music podcast. Check out our show where we talk about all things related to the music industry. We laugh, we share memories, we discuss what's worked and what didn't work. Our industry is always evolving and can never be locked inside a box. From the rookie fresh off the bus to the well-seasoned professional wondering which new direction to take their career, our show covers all the bases. Join us as we chase this elusive animal we like to call the music industry. Check us out at businesssideofmusic.com. Well, and one thing that I want to point out, too, is with this artificial intelligence and the machine learning, if that heart rate is not responding as expected, we touched on this earlier, but the the machine will swap out other songs. And it's all sort of related to this digital fingerprint of the DNA of music. You mentioned mathematics before and how yeah. music is a math, it's math, it's science, Massive it's physics. multiple yeah. disciplines. Tell us about how this digital fingerprint takes place. We've talked in several episodes on this show about different ways music can be identified and classified. We've actually talked to Dr. Nolan Gasser, who's the chief architect of Pandora's Music Genome Project. I'll include links in the show notes to those episodes for listeners who are interested. But talk to us about your process of identifying the DNA of a piece of music. 
So there are several parts to it. So when we digitally fingerprint, we're able to build from some simple data, either by connecting with the user's Spotify account and looking at their play history and, and their genres, or possibly looking at just their age and the kind of algorithms that power that, which are based on sociological and physiological studies of how we consume and listen to music throughout our lives. We're able to build initially a play of about a pool of about 500 tracks from which the playlists are built. And the tracks themselves are digitally fingerprinted. And the way we do that is we effectively mimic the human brain's response to music. So we know the uh, auditory cortex listens to or is responsible for processing tone, for example, and the hippocampus memory, the base of the brain is is music sort of power for one of a better expression so you take the constituent parts of a piece of music that would be timbre that would be dynamic range that might be onset and offset when someone plays a keyboard and then lets it go it's just kind of the stabby effects of music and all those contribute to how we interpret it or how the brain processes it and says you know this music is full of energy it's not full of energy it's full of less energy than the one before and so on and so forth and, and musical keys important so there's a whole there's a whole myriad of, of potential combinations there and using sort of the basis of research that's gone on for years and our own research and and the, the great scientists that we have on our um, advisory panel we are able to fingerprint the piece of music so uh, we look at different frequencies we look at its tempo we look at its musical key we look at the relationship between the frequencies we look at the melody for example so we do a computational melody analysis and so on and so forth uh, and that enables us to attach a score to each one of those component parts and then how they're used in in the fingerprint depends on the age of the person their gender and even things like their, their ethnicity and so on and so forth and those are factors that are given to the device when they first start to use it to help narrow yeah. down and get sort of a, a starting place for which of those 500 tracks to start with exactly and, and using dementia as a, a simple example and use uh, given a high level view most care staff or care nurses do not not know the musical fabric of a, a dementia patient's life the dementia patient obviously doesn't because they can't remember in most cases and quite significantly and quite amazingly nor do a lot of the families so we've really? built something yeah yeah it's oh. an, I, I was i was absolutely amazed uh, absolutely amazed at it um i mean some obviously do and then you've got musicians whether how a musician listens to a piece of music is different to how a normal non-musician mm-hmm. might not surprisingly but um yeah I was I was absolutely amazed. And basically what we've done, as I said, we've analysed sort of various psychological and sociological studies that enable us from, say, two pieces of data, such as date of birth and gender, to, to put together a pretty accurate playlist as a starting point. Have you gotten any information back yet in terms of how accurate that starting point is? Like, can you see... Boy, you know, we start at the starting point and most of the time we don't really need to deviate a whole lot from that or we start from the starting point and, you know, there's there's huge deviations. It depends on the use case. So if someone's a Spotify user, there will be deviations, but then we're pulling their playlist history anyway. So that doesn't matter so much. But certainly, oh, cool. certainly in, in the case of those that don't have Spotify accounts and, and in dementia, we estimate, and it, this is an estimate, we're getting some of 97% accuracy. Oh, wow. Interesting. 
interesting. Talk to us a little bit about the clinical trial results. You, you already mentioned a couple really interesting statistics about the 22% reduction in heart rate. Um, yeah. Talk to us some more about what you're finding in terms of efficacy of this product and then also the cost reduction that you're seeing. Efficacy, we've, we've not really had a problem with. Uh, I think, you know, where we are with COVID, what's happened with COVID and, and the fact that music has been around for so long. There are a surprisingly large number of healthcare clinicians, consultants and doctors out there that understand the benefit of music to health. Mm. The problem is, as I said is previously, is that a lot of people view it as an art form and it's kind of getting over that barrier to reinforce the fact that actually it's, it's a collection of sciences and it's a very strong collection of sciences as well. Um, as you said, in your own gambit, it's, it's transformative. So we don't have any problem there because efficacy is tall. We're, as soon as the MediBeat, final MediBeat devices finish, which will be about six weeks' time, we're just doing some refinements at the moment, then we'll be going to the FDA and the NHS for approval. And that we've had input from, from our trials in terms of kind of the functionality and so on and so forth. We've obviously got the kind of screens, the sort of feature functionality side with music therapists is more software-based. And that, I think, and that sort of approval will come after that. Okay. And in terms of medication cost savings, do you have any initial estimates on that? Not at this moment. No, we're still waiting for the trial data to come back, but we expect it with pain, uh, pain reduction somewhere to be around 18, 19% in reduction in uh, analgesics and, and higher with anxiety drugs. But we will publish that data in due course. And did you say six weeks is when you're expecting to have more of that preliminary? Uh, enough to be able to probably speak about it quite quite openly, yeah. Okay. Think, well, providing, of course, we don't get another COVID epidemic here, which is actually what it's starting to look like again with the Indian variant. So that, that's caused us a number of problems, obviously, because of the, the focus on that. Mm, sure. Anything else you can tell us about this whole trial and approval process where you are in it? I'm sure it's a little bit different in the UK than it is here in the US. It, yeah, it is. I mean, we've, we've, we've spoken with Harvard in Boston, uh, a couple of hospitals there. So the Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital in Boston and uh, the Tufts Medical Center. There's a couple, there are a couple of people there that were interested in doing us a trial in the US. We're in an office in Boston in about six weeks' time as well. We've just got the lawyers going through the process at the moment. And, and the US for us is, is, very, is a very important market. Can you tell us the story of how MetaMusic came to be? I saw in your bio that you are also a musician. You've sold pieces of work for commercials. Yeah. So you you have some some background, quite a bit of background in music yourself. How did MetaMusic come to be? So I worked in the music business in my 20s. I won't tell you my age now. I won't give it away. I worked in music <laughs> in my 20s. And I, I've, I've come from a musical family. My grandfather could play 15 musical instruments profici- proficiently wow. without any training. And it's a very musical family. So I kind of got involved in music in, a, in an early stage of my life. And I worked on record labels and in the UK and the US. And I, I write, I've, well, I haven't write, to be honest, I haven't had time to do anything for quite some time, but I was selling pieces of music about five or six years ago. And about that time, I went to work for a company called Omniphone, which is the biggest wholesale distributor of music, streaming music. And our clients included Sirius FM and Sony, and I ran Sony Music Unlimited service across 19 territories for about three years. I looked after Neil Young's Pono service. And that was kind of when my, I'd always had an interest in the benefits of music to health, because as I said, we've all self-medicated music and approaching it from a songwriter point of view. Mm-hmm. So how did you start Meta Music? Um, yeah, so sorry, I was saying, I came across uh, Queen Mary University in London, who had produced the VAMP plugins, which are algorithms that 
what they call music information retrieval algorithms that extract parts, so tempo and key and so on and so forth, from a piece of digital music. And I just thought, well, actually, if we can do that properly and we can mimic the brain's response to music, and I had had, as I said, an interest in the benefits of music to health, then maybe we could do something. And it's been, at the time, it wasn't right. The algorithms weren't refined enough. The market wasn't ready for it. But with COVID and a few other things that have happened, um, it's changed. And, And we're now getting a huge amount of interest, not just from the UK, but from the US, from Australia and Asia as well. Wonderful. Well, I will really look forward to seeing the results of those clinical trials and hope that this yeah, be something, that's, <laughs> yeah, something that's hopefully soon widely available. Well, yeah. So, we're, so I was just yeah, I was just going to say in terms of our next steps. I mean, we're as I said, we're we're in these closed clinical trials at the moment. The data will be forthcoming. We've got the NHS and FDA approval. We're actually on a fundraising round at the moment just to finish off. Uh, and from that, we'll complete 36 algorithms and, and launch in November, October this year. Awesome. Well, this has been fascinating. I look forward to learning more. I will have you close out our conversation with our musical ending, a coda. I ask all guests to do this by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have a song or a story that you can share with us in closing today? I think my, I was trying to think about this. my music. My music is so eclectic that I, pro- I guess uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen was the, the one that really ch- sort of started my musical journey. And in terms of the story, I guess it was a friend of mine whose, whose mother has dementia, uh, vascular dementia. And she was always extremely agitated and upset. And, and my very first many music playlist, checking out the algorithms that I wrote, I used on her. And, and the, the big thing that came out of it is not only did she calm down, but started singing along with her, hus- her husband as well, who had a difficulty relating to it uh, in a dementia state so it, it was fantastic and the interaction on his face the joy on his face uh, as I said is, is something I will never forget Thanks to Gary for telling us about this exciting new application of music's power in healthcare and to him and his team at Medi Music for all they do to enhance lives with music. There are links in the show notes to Medi Music and the article that first introduced me to them and to other episodes that we mentioned in our conversation. Enhanced Life with Music has passed our 100th episode milestone and our second birthday is coming up in August. We would love to have you help us celebrate the second birthday milestone in two ways. I have two requests today. One is to rate and leave a written review in whatever podcasting app you use or on podchaser.com. I'll be reading reviews on the show as part of our celebration. Every podcast app is a little different in terms of how you rate and review, so I won't go into detailed instructions here, but if you just Google review a podcast on Apple Podcasts, for example, you'll find instructions specific to your app. Our second request is to vote for us in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We've been nominated for this award and voting began July 1 and continues throughout the month of July. Go to podcastawards.com. You'll find us in the music category. Thank you so much in advance for helping us celebrate our birthday in these two ways. 
As always, you'll find a transcription of this episode in the show notes at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 102. And you'll find me on email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. All links are on my website and in the episode details right in your podcast app. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.